Hello and welcome once again to Yester Ladies. I'm Dana. And I'm Heather. And Heather, who are we talking about today? <laughs> well, Dana, let me tell you. We are talking about a lady criminal mm. known as Big Bertha Heyman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that um, Big Bertha, like, an, I don't know, I feel like that's a that's a phrase that has kind of been used to name various things that are really big, <laughs> like, we're, wasn't there like a bomb or something? I, yeah, I was that just gonna say, was there's called a bomb. Big Bertha. There's yes. been other things that have been yeah. named like Big Bertha, yeah. and I'm pretty big, sure big they guns and cannons. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Yeah. And I think they take their name from this rather famous at the time. Yes. Um, female swindler, yes, fraudster, fraudster, <laughs> confidence woman, yes. as all of these articles keep calling her, which I just love. Yes. <laughs> Big Bertha Heyman. So to give you a little bit of color, um, period appropriate color on, on Bertha and what she was like. Um, so we know you'll hear very shortly about um, a number of her cons and she pulled quite a lot and probably way more than is even in the historical record. I'm sure she swindled a lot more people than was officially recognized. Um, but famously she wasn't, you know, she swindled all of these men that was like, she would usually target men and she would get them to do whatever she wanted. She had them wrapped around her finger. And, you know, when you picture a woman like that, you're probably picturing some, you know, conventionally beautiful bombshell of a, of a woman. Um, but Big Bertha famously was not conventionally attractive. And um, we will definitely post her picture along with this episode and you can take a look. And beauty is definitely within the eye of the beholder. But I will say that she probably doesn't bear a lot of the kind of standard markers of <laughs> conventional beauty. <laughs> I, I would not personally describe her as a beauty. No. Yeah, I agree. But uh, she was very charming from but she was charming. all of the re- reports. and Which makes her kind of even more cool because yes. yeah, she, she didn't rely on her looks at all, at all. <laughs> <laughs> not many looks to rely on no Bertha. but yeah you're right it means that she was even more talented at her swindling because she did it all without typical sex appeal mm-hmm, so, yeah. yeah um brains and charm <laughs> so a 1923 new york times article reflecting on the on the career of big bertha um asked the question how can hard-hearted, sorry, how can hard-headed businessmen of caution and experience be victimized by women who lack the first elements of female charm? And of course, they're speaking of physical charm. Um, but I think to answer that question, as we've kind of already intimated, Bertha didn't have um, physical charm, but she had a lot of uh, intellectual and emotional charm, obviously, because <laughs> she, she really got away with some stuff. <laughs> and she also represented herself as a very wealthy woman often. Mm, and yeah. so I like that this is kind of a gender swap where a non-traditionally good-looking person will attract scores of um, admirers or mm-hmm. uh, lovers, say, uh, by pretending that they're very wealthy. And so this is usually seen as sort of a male tactic. That's very true. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before turning the tables on these often wealthy men and you know who may have themselves attracted ladies um using their money and now she's sort of flipping the deck on them so i know i mean like i feel like i mean obviously we don't condone (laughs) we don't agree with her activities no. no but um 
I mean, she's kind of, she's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's very fun to read about when you are not uh, being the victim of her. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) very true. (laughs) And what makes it even better is as I'll, I'll jump in occasionally with some, as I, as I said to Heather before we began some color commentary from the uh, newspapers of the period and just the way journalists used to write in old timey (laughs) newspapers was just kind of awesome and um, gives a lot of contemporary color yes. too. <laughs> it's so fun to read like archival newspaper yeah. articles and we really so and so something something ha 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 <laughs> by by golly <laughs> by gosh <laughs> they're, they're wonderful yeah they are <laughs> so um Big Bertha was known as the confidence queen. Mm. So she wasn't just your typical confidence man or confidence woman. She was the confidence queen because of this string of frauds against, like we mentioned, mostly men across the continent in the Mm -hmm. late 1880s. And it was just fraud after fraud after fraud. (laughs) She Well, sorry. I'm sorry. We were saying earlier that it seems like almost every person she came in contact with, she was trying to swindle in some way. Um, but to kind of start out, we should probably go back to her early life and we don't know, we were kind of, we were a little frustrated doing the research for this, um, mostly because we don't really know anything about her, her later life. We don't know when she died or where, um, or at least it was not in our power to find Mm -hmm. that it's, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I'm sure there's a death certificate or who knows. Mm -hmm. I mean, this kind of was at a time when records maybe. They weren't on the internet. <laughs> um, so we could not find much information, if any, about her later life or her death. Um, there we have a little bit of information about her early years. Um, so she was born in Prussia, right? Yes. And emigrated when she was, what, five, I think? Um, I don't have her I emigration that's what I age, saw somewhere. but it was 1878 and she ended up marrying. So I think she was... Oh, she's she older than older that. Why than did I that? think she yeah. was five? I, I just pulled that out of Well, nothing. no, you didn't. There was a five years. So back in Prussia, her father served five years in jail right. for a forged check. So we were speculating that perhaps they, this was like a crime family mm. or maybe she learned some of her tricks from her father. Um, it's or, logical. You know, it gets passed down, you know, <laughs> through, from father to daughter, that sort of thing. Um, and like we said, she immigrated in 1878 to the U.S., uh, married a Fritz Carco in New York, and the couple moved to Milwaukee. Um, up to this point, there are no recorded crimes, so she seems to have kept a clean slate up to now, although as far as we know. As far <laughs> as we know. <laughs> That's a big as far as. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then interestingly, uh, after moving to Milwaukee, she marries again a Mr. <laughs> Heyman. <laughs> so we're not sure what if happened. separated from oh, the first guy right. or what. But or, I mean, I don't know. Knowing Bertha, it doesn't seem like she'd be all that concerned about... <laughs> polygamy <laughs> she didn't let morals get in the way of no for fun <laughs> I, yeah i would yeah. think that she wasn't all that concerned about obtaining a proper divorce before <laughs> marrying the next guy right right so we have no idea what happened to poor fritz but <laughs> he's just out of the picture in the and, dust yes and uh, and this is when she began her life of swindling so after <laughs> marrying mr Heyman. And she came to be known as the smartest confidence woman in America. So she builds quite a reputation. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, her typical shtick was to claim to be a wealthy widow blocked from accessing her estate. So she would ask her victim to provide some money, basically ante up now so I can pay these legal fees or there's like a fine or something or, or something I have to pay first in order to get this huge sum of money that was just waiting for her to inherit. Which, I mean, come on. 
Nigerian email scam <laughs> much. <laughs> um, it's basically the same concept. And obvious, I mean, there was probably somebody, this is probably a, a well-known con going back many, many, many years. I'm sure there were people before Bertha to do this, but it just, I, I don't know. It, it kind of puts in perspective, like we think there's nothing new under the sun, right? And like when all the Nigerian internet scam thing, like that's something that we kind of think of this as this like, you know, 21st century thing that we're all familiar with. But here's this woman in the 1880s pulling basically the same stunt. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same thing. Uh, I have in my notes, Nigerian prince internet scam of 1800s. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so the next time you receive an email from a Nigerian prince promising money, think, think of Big Bertha. Yes. <laughs> have her come to mind. Um, all right. So she begins a string of crimes that stretches across the decade and across the country. So in... In 1880, she swindled $1,035 from a Mr. Perrin, and he was a sleeping car conductor that she met while traveling from Chicago. So she, you know, is swindling even en route. <laughs> no, it's, it's as you, you said a minute ago, I think, like, really, it seems like she was, she, she didn't necessarily have a mark in mind. She would just meet somebody yeah. and assess whether they were a good mark for right, right. for her activities like, like you served her lunch you were basically in her yeah sights. like it was any contact at all and you you needed to watch her back yeah, yeah. and uh we saw in the notes um when i was doing my research it kept describing this train car as a palace car and mm-hmm. and we thought this was an error until i looked it up and so it was just a really fancy um sleeping car mm-hmm. so the pullman company had palace cars so because it was a palace car conductor as it as it um, became apparent and as multiple of the resources that we looked at pointed out she she traveled and lived in style she stayed yes. at the best hotels and she yeah stayed she used uh palace sleeping cars <laughs> on the train like she she re- and she always had like a maid or a serving man or something like she really lived it up and i'm sure that was partly to perpetuate the ruse of of being a wealthy woman then of course probably partly just because she enjoyed that. <laughs> yes, if she can. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And she would always be dressed the part as well, mm. and often with like lavish amounts of jewels, and uh, and she would talk about their value to show off and this sort of thing. So very sort of gauche. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, or, or nouveau riche, perhaps. But... Oh my god. Uh oh. I'm just I'm just thinking. My... <laughs> She's. It suddenly made me think of a certain um, new U.S. president. Well, I, I was thinking the same thing. Gosh. <laughs> Not to get political. Not to get political, <laughs> yes. but I feel like if Big Bertha could have had like a gold-plated penthouse, she probably she would. would have. She wouldn't have paid for it. Either. Nope. <laughs> So sorry, that's our little, <laughs> little like, liberal moment of the day. There, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so for this swindle, this sleeping car swindle, she uh, was sued by the New York Supreme Court and um, uh, faced some justice there. And then we find her again. She crops up again in the next year um, in our country. So she makes a break for Canada and is arrested next in London, Ontario, mm. uh, after tricking a Montreal commercial man out of hundreds of dollars. And she was traveling in the company of a Dr. Coombs. So we have no idea where she was just he? picks up these guys <laughs> yeah. and, just finds, and these finds other guys to swindle. And it's probably <laughs> swindling the guy she's with, too. And it's just like one after the next. It must have been very complicated to be Bertha. I, yes. I thought of how, how would she keep this all straight? So many irons in the fire. Right. So many threads so many, to weave. So plates to keep spinning. Yeah. Oh, so many good analogies. <laughs> Come up with all the lines. <laughs> 
so is this the this is eighteen eighty one now, right? Correct. Heather? Yeah. Yeah. So in June of the same year, um, she was tried in Staten Island, New York, for swindling two hundred and fifty dollars and two gold watches from a Mrs. Pauline Schlarbaum, who was an elderly woman. Right. And uh, Schlarbaum is such a great name, I have to say. Um, so during the course of this, this trial, and I think by this point she was, she was becoming pretty well known yes. in the press. And of course they loved her. Like what an ideal story. <laughs> so this sensational. This like yeah. not conventionally attractive woman <laughs> right. who I suppose we should describe her. There's, there have been descriptions. Let me, uh, oh, right. So in one of the articles that was written kind of around about that time, um, they describe her thus. The prisoner is about 31 years of age. She is short and stout and has a somewhat pleasing face, which I think is being generous. But I'm sure when she's smiling and like laying on the charm, she probably did. Mm -hmm. Um, Her portrait is number 1051 in the rogues gallery and shows four well-defined moles on her right cheek, which make her identification easy. And we should we should mention that the Rogues Gallery, and I kind of love this little sidebar fact. The Rogues Gallery was basically in any police station uh, was a wall where they had portraits up of all of these criminals, and it was kind of the like that was how they identified people. Mugshots all put up on the wall, and they called it the Rogues Gallery, which I think is just an awesome an awesome name for something. And we were both excited to realize that this had been a real thing yeah. back in the day that that wasn't just a, a turn of phrase that yeah. there had existed many rogues galleries and that's uh, what they call them <laughs> that was the term i love that so much it's such a colorful it's not like the criminal wall no it's the rogues, rogues gallery, gallery. <laughs> so poetic yeah it's much better <laughs> yes um all right so in the case of Mrs. Schlarbaum, she ends up being acquitted. So she walks out of court a free woman and is immediately arrested again <laughs> for a different crime. So, you know, gets out of one and is handcuffed for the next <laughs> in the same day. So she faces charges um, of obtaining under false pretenses $960 from Mr. Charles Brandt, who is a liquor merchant, and $500 from Mr. Theodore Morris, who is a glass importer, both of New York. So she finds these businessmen and... Uh, <laughs> And swindles all this money out of them. Uh, she's found guilty of this and sentenced to two years in the penitentiary. Right, and um, I do love the description of um, of the trial that is given. Yes. And again, one of these one of these contemporaneous um, newspaper articles. Uh, in her cross examination, the accused said she had come to this city, New York, from Milwaukee in response to a telegram from a prominent citizen announcing that she had become heiress to a rich estate and had been visited at the various hotels at which she stopped by leading merchants and others, all of whom had advanced her money and manifested a strong desire to manage her vast estate. See, I bet. <laughs> The jury showed their appreciation of Bertha's story by finding her guilty after deliberating about five minutes. <laughs> On hearing the verdict, the confidence queen made a terrible outcry and held her handkerchief to her eyes, from which, however, no tears could be seen to flow. I remember loving that quote. Yeah, it's as well. a really great quote. <laughs> you can tell uh, just exactly what this newspaper man thinks of uh, <laughs> Miss Big Bertha. It's just dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like she was quite the actress as well. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not a very good one, but well, she would have to be though to pull all these cons. That's like, true. Maybe just not in court. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think all the evidence against her was kind of <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So she's sent to Blackwell's Island Prison, uh, which is uh, just 
side of Manhattan. And uh, while imprisoned, the crimes do not stop. I oh, no. <laughs> so she gains the trust of a German man named Charles Karp, who was working as a guard. Um uh, while she was working as a servant in the warden's home. So she basically gets herself this job inside the jail, working as a servant <laughs> in the home of the warden, and then manages to finagle the confidence of yet another victim uh, while in jail, which is wonderful. So she built some of $900, which was his life saving. Which is like, that's a ton of money, yeah. especially at that time, at that especially time. for a man in prison. Like, he probably wouldn't have been a wealthy man. Like, right. Yeah. It would just be sort of working class. And that's awful. It this is, is awful. kind of where Bertha, I mean, like, you know, if you're, if you're targeting really, really wealthy men, like that's not okay. And nope. like, you shouldn't do that. But she kind of loses some coolness in my mm. eyes when she starts swindling you yeah, know, people just, who their whole life savings is $900. Yes. <laughs> not cool, exactly. Bertha. Just cleaning them out. Right? Yeah. At a time when insurance didn't exist the way it does now, you know, yeah. now some of her victims might be able to recoup their losses but then probably not and yes yeah it's rough so she ends up being discharged and well i just uh, want to sorry oh. the little detail about how she swindled this poor guy um so apparently she she pretended that she wanted needed his money to buy her way out of prison and gave him a security for the money um, and again, this is a quote from one of the newspaper articles. She gave him a bundle, which she said contained bank books showing many thousand dollars to her credit, but the contents proved to be several old newspapers sewed up in a linen bag. <laughs> and she does this again and again. Yeah. Uh, we'll see in some of her future crimes where she'll pass off worthless packets of paper for, you know, huge, hugely valuable documents. Which I something. mean, like it must've been, it must've been some chore to convince people like not to look <laughs> in these bundles you can imagine herself twisting herself you know around in all these contortions to try to get them to not yeah oh not yet not yet (laughs) it would make a great movie oh my gosh yes it would make an awesome movie so fun but uh, all right so she's eventually discharged from jail and uh continues living in new york um all right in 1883 she gets $455 and a valuable diamond from a Mr. Edward Saunders and his partner Hoffman these gents were brokers they had their own Saunders and Hoffman company in New York um and she gained their trust by claiming to be worth eight million dollars which would have been just an exponential amount of money in the 1880s um and she gave them a packet supposedly containing $87,000 of securities so again the fake packet (laughs) sewed up newspaper yeah and it says, it says you're actually worthless papers. <laughs> <laughs> so they may, uh, that I wonder, you know, did she make it look like the papers, you know, because these guys might've been sharp enough to actually check. Yeah. But it turns I mean, yeah, out you that they wonder, are worthless. Like, how did so, she... Right. I mean, it's a great detail that she's using these like old newspapers to, <laughs> to fool people, but right. how exactly yeah, she did that. Work. Yeah. So, um, also in 1883, so later in the year, a few months later, uh, she's tried for that crime and convicted and sentenced to five years in the penitentiary. So she spends quite a lot of time going in and out of jails. Um, so yeah. we see a five year gap in her crime spree, at least none of the jail guards come forward that she has swindled them <laughs> in that, in that stint. Well, you know, that brings up a good, I mm. wonder how many men were swindled by her and didn't, didn't admit it, admit it right. because they were ashamed of the fact that a, a woman swindled them and B, she wasn't even an attractive woman. <laughs> so there had to have been at oh, least some absolutely. of her victims yes. who, who like didn't come forward yeah. because they were embarrassed. They were, they were embarrassed. They were gotten by Big Bertha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 
So there's a five-year gap until 1888, and then she pops up in San Francisco. So she switches um, coastlines, basically. I think New, New York is getting too hot <laughs> yeah, for her. Probably too many people knew her. She was all over the papers. I've swindled every other gent on the street here. So, <laughs> yes. So she heads out to uh, West Coast, and uh, she takes up a new last name. So she's going by Bertha Stanley in this next con. Uh, she visits a Dr. Messing, who is the chief rabbi at Beth Israel Congregation. And I just read an interesting detail today that she knew Dr. Messing from her days in Europe. She oh. knew him as a child. So, hmm. um, you know, when you talk about confidence queen, this, this guy already would have had some confidence in her knowing who she was. Uh, and she has picked up a stepson, Willie, along the way. <laughs> so he's yeah. kind of her sidekick. And he just and, like, pops it's not, up here. Yeah, it's not clear where <laughs> right. she got a hold of him or, like, who he was, when he, whether right. he was actually her stepson or what mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. suddenly she's got this accomplice right and he's he's like this little rogue too the two yeah. of them together just are unreal <laughs> and uh so she claims to so she visits this dr messing and claims to um have inherited three hundred thousand dollars which would be six million today from her christian husband uh but she being jewish wants to remarry in the faith and can the congregation be matchmaker for her so she offers a thousand dollars to the person who can find her a a suitable jewish spouse <laughs> Which is, you know, a pretty juicy offering. Yeah, yeah. So she starts being toasted, basically, by the synagogue. <laughs> and everyone is throwing these lavish parties. And the, all the, like, upper circles of the congregation and the whole, like, Jewish community in San Francisco is just toasting her right and left to try to find her. And apparently spouse. nobody wired to New York to, <laughs> right, find, to out. find out. Yeah. <laughs> nobody read a copy of the New York Times from a couple of years earlier. <laughs> right. Or recognized her, her picture. Right. And, or those moles. Those, those four moles. Oh, those four. She <laughs> should have been easily identifiable by those four moles. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so I was reading all these great details about how she pulled this off so she would go shopping with with the wealthy wives or women um of this community and uh purchase gowns and jewels on credit and the shopkeepers would trust her because she was with these right. very uh you know sort of recognizable clients of theirs who had probably been shopping with them for decades and so okay if they bring in a wealthy friend and she looks the part they're going to extend her credit without blinking an eye so she amasses an entire wardrobe <laughs> and an entire collection <laughs> of jewelry and is you know sort of flitting the social butterfly through this this very wealthy community and uh has a has a chance meeting with the rabbi's brother-in-law so his name is abraham grun and he's a wealthy businessman he falls madly in love with her <laughs> and uh um because of her charm and uh, also uh, arguably her the wealth, money the money um and he proposes marriage within days <laughs> so, yeah true love true love just <laughs> happened in the blink of an eye um <laughs> and so she so this is just going great i can imagine how you know I'm sorry. Swimmingly. This is like this is like the 19th century version of like who wants to marry a millionaire, like <laughs> yeah, the bachelorette or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> this like fake engineered, yeah. very lavish lifestyle. Yeah, it's just terrible. So uh she claims to have donated a thousand dollars to the congregation. Apparently the the uh, synagogue needed repainting. So she said, I'll foot the bill for that and writes them a check for the thousand dollars and hints at donating more in the future. Um and everyone is just completely taken in. And she uh she writes a check at one point for three thousand dollars and um and then 
uh, her stepson, Willie, is not, uh, you know, absent at this time either. He's active in circles. So he's out charming all the, the young Jewish or the Jewish young ladies of the community. <laughs> oh, and really? apparently his scam was he convinces them to loan him or lend him their diamond rings <laughs> so that he can have them reset into the newest or latest New York fashions. And he says, I know exactly, you know, how to make this the most fashionable diamond oh, ring and geez. give me all your rings. So um, upon... Upon, I guess, amassing enough of a fortune, the two of them hightail it. They just and, disappear. Yeah, they claim they're going to go visit some new friends that they made in L.A. And they just hightail it to the nearest airport or train station. And the only thing they do on the way is stop to pawn some of the more valuable jewels oh. en route. <laughs> so they just clean yes. out this community. And uh, and they speculated here, too, about how many people in the community didn't admit to being mm. um, swindled just because of the shame that came along with it. And I thought of all these poor, you know, these poor daughters, like, oh, not no. wanting to admit they'd given away family jewels. And, oh, gosh. oh, that would be terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> goodness. Um, and actually, I forgot one swindle they they perpetuated as well as a team. So um, when Bertha had been proposed to by Abraham Grun, uh, she accepted him. But she told him that stepson Willie uh, disapproved the match. And so to, to sort of soften him up, uh, Grun gave him $500. <laughs> so basically buys... Again, true love. True love. Clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't feel that bad for this guy. Not, not at all. I feel bad for those, those young ladies young with ladies. the rings. Right, but I don't feel bad for this guy. <laughs> yes. So the congregation figures out what happens when the check to repaint the synagogue bounces. And then um, whoever was holding the $3,000 check calls the bank that it was it had been written from. And they have no record of any Bertha Stanley to be found. And so they all realize that they've been taken in. So they're devastated. And Groon, who thinks his fiance has just, you know, uh, taken off for the weekend, goes down to the San Francisco Police Department and meets with the Captain Isaiah Lees. Um, and Lees hears this story and immediately cracks open the book Professional Criminal Criminals of America, which is put out <laughs> by the New York City Chief of Detectives. And Bertha's picture is number one 22 and Groon is shocked to recognize his fiance in the pages of this book. Oh, so, it's just wonderful. I know it's a great story. I mean, there's so many story. episodes in her life that yeah. alone would make right. like, a good story. A, a but I mean, story, somebody yeah. really should make a movie. I think so. She, this would, it would be a great movie. It would be, so or it could fun. be a great could, movie. Yes, this is true. It could be. <laughs> yes. All right. So they issue a warrant for her arrest. She's not going to get away with swindling this whole community. Uh, and so Bertha and Willie are captured in Texas. And uh, I guess she put on quite the show claiming that she was innocent. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you know, everyone has these beefs against her. And she was a master at turning people's accusations against them and claiming that they had done to her what she had actually done to them. And, huh. uh, and it was this whole kind of uh, almost like a psychosis. Oh, wow. that, uh, it was really crazy. So she's arrested and charged. And uh, poor Willie, well, not poor Willie, but <laughs> Willie ends up in San Quentin for oh, a short gosh. stay. So it sounds kind of rough. Um, all right. So she ends up being jailed after this, this sort of epic take of San Francisco. And uh, so she's in jail. How does she get out of jail, Dana? Let me tell you. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I don't know this one. Gets, if you thought this was crazy up to now. It gets it crazier. Just, it gets crazier. This is where it goes bizarre. So she is bailed out of jail by an impresario, a theater man. Oh, this guy. Yes. Okay, <laughs> named, now I know. Yeah, yep. Named Ned Foster, who has heard Bertha's story and decides he wants to launch her theatrical career. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? He can make money off of her. And he was right to do so because 18,000 people streamed to see the 
the performance. So what did Bertha do during this performance? <laughs> Apparently she uh, recited poetry that she had written herself. Oh, her own poetry. Her own poetry. Yes. Well, purportedly her own poetry. Uh, <laughs> well, one of the poems was called The Confidence Queen, <laughs> in which she painted herself as the victim of all of these uh, hard-hearted men. <laughs> of course. Awesome. And, uh, and she was paired with... Uh, I just, I don't, I don't even know who this is. Third with someone, an actor named Oofty Goofty. <laughs> who is, he's a character in his own, right? Like right. if we, if we weren't limited in our scope to ladies and lady topics, I would be so tempted <laughs> look up, oofty, to goofty. do Oofty Goofty. Yes. Apparently his character was a human punching bag <laughs> and the two of them would spar and every round would end with her knocking him out. <laughs> it just sounds awful. It's just so bad. It's good. Like it just sounds so. Again, she's like, she's like reality television yes. of the 19th it century. Really it really, really is. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so slapstick. So, uh, and apparently Bertha and Oofty Goofty also had a Romeo and Juliet scene where, oh my gosh. And this is the worst. Imagine what that would have looked like. But get, this is the worst detail, Deanna. So, but usually Juliet is up in the balcony. The set balcony couldn't support Bertha's weight. Oh so she had to stand on the ground instead. And the joke was that Oofty Goofy was up in the balcony. And I guess the audience just ate this up. This was like the funniest thing they'd ever seen scene so oh my god so anyway they're just doing this like absolutely raucous show and and i guess it worked they made tons of money <laughs> off of this so of course bertha you can't keep her down for long so not only is she acting and reciting poetry she's also trying to swindle her manager ned so there was this whole ruse of she had a false bottom on her suitcases and this is where she stored thousands of dollars and she needed his help and she needed his money to try to i don't know take make something happen with this money and Ned being a little sharper, or perhaps having worked in in uh, you know theater long yeah, enough, yeah, or, or show business, promoter yeah. kind of a yeah, guy himself. Um, yeah. You know, he can sniff out a rat. Perhaps he calls her on this, and he snuck into her changing room during one of the performances, and. and checked out her suitcase and realized the whole mm. story was a lie, <laughs> and uh, and then um, very quickly ended their business partnership. So Ned is what Ned Foster did not get swindled, swindled by Bertha. Well, he got good. away. <laughs> He made some so, money off of her. He did and, make some uh, money off of her. Got away clean. Let her go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, the last um, uh, record that we have of her in, in our research uh, is that we found her. She pops up in Spokane, Washington. Mm -hmm. So still out on the West Coast in 1893, uh, running a variety show and perhaps still swindling. Uh, we don't know for <laughs> I think sure. No, perhaps. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I there was this woman obviously had some kind of some kind of psychological something going right. on where she right. you know yeah. was was a master manipulator and that usually doesn't go with a with a great um mental health mm, yes. uh, right. kind of a person i think right. so uh, i imagine she she couldn't stop i mean yeah. obviously she yeah. couldn't stop yeah i mean just the pace of it yeah. seems like an addiction or yeah, yeah. some kind of yeah issue exactly so um yeah that's the last thing we found in the historical record that documents we could like we said before we couldn't find any details about her death or what became of her um so if any of you have any leads on yeah big birth act, maybe she's a, still out there I you have know. a you know great grandfather who was swindled <laughs> <laughs> let us know um and uh what was interesting is that uh, sometimes when she was arrested, Bertha claimed not to be doing this for the money, but more for the thrill of the scam. Right. And um, she also claimed to have donated some of the money that she swindled. Um, so, well, but yeah, we think that's probably false. Well, it's I'm hard to sure. say. Sure. It seems like there, there may be something to that, but, hmm. um, yeah, so she just, she kind of just faded 
into the mists of history mm-hmm. and we don't know which is kind of that's even better right like, right we, we were saying we liked that better yeah than, it's more mysterious yeah. i'm sure as i as i said earlier i'm sure that you know somewhere there's a record of of what happened to her mm-hmm. when she died and i'm sure it was a pretty pedestrian ending um but it's kind of it's kind of fun that we don't in this moment know what happened to her so she kind of she, she kind goes of off into the sunset in our memory, uh, yes. conning people all over the place <laughs> um but one other little tidbit from one of the articles another another little con and i, I love again it just it kind of gives insight into into what she was like and, and what we she would say and get away with i guess um, so apparently at, at, um, a certain point she ran up a bill with a dentist employed with the judge who was trying her actually at the time, oh, God, this is back in, uh, in the 1881 October trial. Um, so she, she ran up a bill with this dentist, um, when asked for payment, she sent word that the dentist need not trouble himself about so trifling a sum as she had 14 millions on deposit in a trust company, but could not spare the time to go down to cut off the coupons. <laughs> so basically I'm good for it. Don't worry about it. I, I just don't have time right now to go down and pay you, but for goodness sake, it's just a trifling sum. Why are you bothering me? This millionaire I'm too wrapped up in society business. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then a couple other little quotes, as you were saying, you know, there's some question about whether she actually was generous or not, but there does seem to be some evidence, whether it's true or not. But uh, at one point, one of the police um, policemen that was involved in her case says that she has been known to find a $10,000 victim, but that the money does her little good. Within a week, she will have given the money or the bulk of it away to the poor. Hmm. So again, that's an interesting statement. I don't, we don't know whether that was evidence that he knew of because he had evidence of that or whether that was just something that Bertha told him and convinced him hmm. of. But it's an interesting... Yeah, you can kind of speculate. Too. She may have been a bit of a Robin Hood figure. We don't Who know. Knows? Who yeah. knows? Interesting. Or just, just interesting another figure. one of her tricks. Exactly. <laughs> we just don't know. Um, so do you have anything more? There's one little quote that, that we want to end with, I think. But do you have anything further nope, about her swindles? All, all, yeah. all right. So just again, to give you a sense of what Bertha was like, uh, during the 1883 um I guess there, but there was a trial in 83, right? Well, we talked about that. We've got our timeline. Yes. Yeah. So during that period, she was interviewed by the New York Times and she gave them this fantastic quote. I take no pride in overveiling a fool. The moment I discover a man's a fool, I let him drop. But I delight in getting into the confidence and pockets of men who think they can't be skinned. It ministers to my intellectual pride. <laughs> and she added that she did not care a whit for money as money alone, but she liked to get it. So I don't know exactly what she meant by that, but I do love the idea that she, uh, she, she took pleasure in the, uh, the, the, the pursuit, I guess, the, the more challenging con (laughs) she enjoyed though. She wasn't after easy marks. (laughs) So she's a, She's a discerning criminal. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently so. <laughs> so that's Big Bertha. Now you know. Big now Bertha you know. Heyman. Yep. And anytime you come across something that is called Big Bertha in whatever context, you'll know where that came from. And you'll think of this larger than life lady. <laughs> <laughs> and her four moles. <laughs> and her four moles. Exactly. Absolutely. So um, as always, uh, you can find the resources that we've used for this episode um, on our website posted with the uh the link to the audio for this episode at yesterladies.com 
Of course, you can also find all of our podcasts on iTunes or whatever other podcast app you might happen to use. Uh, but if you do use iTunes, we really would love a comment or a rate. Uh, we'd love for you to subscribe. That really would help us. Um, we'd also love to hear from you. So you can email us at yesterladies at gmail.com. You can also follow us and reach out to us on Twitter. Our handle is at yesterladies. And you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash yesterladies and we really do like to hear from you we love to hear topic suggestions we want to do what you want to know <laughs> um so please do let us know and of course as always you know we'd love to to hear feedback um kind criticism is welcomed <laughs> <laughs> um and of course please do share yesterladies i don't know if i say that often enough but like <laughs> Share us, please, with the world. Tell we your friends. Be out there, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, thanks for listening. And I'm Dana. And I'm Heather. 